Well, he didn't know I was going to do this first service. Hopefully, he was kind of clued into the second service. Uh, last week, um, if, you, if you weren't here last week, it was an amazing day. It was just an amazing day. But, but Dylan actually released his second children's album last week. So I got this text from David on Monday. Uh, so Dylan's not going to tell you this, and, and he wouldn't, and he didn't. Um, because this, this is a young man, and I, I, t- I tell him all the time, if I was as good looking and talented as he was, is I, I'd take me a Mr. Microphone saying everywhere I went. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'd walk in restaurants. He knows who to give it to and who don't. That's, that's exactly right. But one of the, and one of the things, if you know him, that is one of the things that we love about him so much is, is, is that he walks in such humility. He said, Dylan won't tell you this, but his album was in the top 50 most downloaded albums in children's music, Christian or secular. This is worldwide on iTunes yesterday. <clears throat> so I just I couldn't I just couldn't let that go without uh, just sharing that with you and how incredibly proud of him that we are. Thank you, buddy. Love you. If I wore skinny jeans, you. That'd just be gross, wouldn't it? I saw some of you were shaking. Uh, in case you weren't here last week, we started a brand new series called Whisper. And, and it's, it's all about hearing the voice of God. And this is, this is so important to me personally. Honestly, you know, I, I don't have a desire to just bring you sermons. That, that's not it. What I want to do every week to the best of my ability is to bring you a message from God. And most of those messages from God are literally things that I've struggled with in my own personal life. And one of those things has been hearing the voice of God. You know, how do you know it's him? Have you ever been there? I mean, I hear a voice. Is it just a voice inside my head? You know, do I need to be on medication? I mean, is this the voice of God? How do I know if it's the voice of God? So we're in a series talking about how to understand and discern whether it's the voice of God or not. In Genesis 1 are God's very first recorded words. They're not his first words. Don't walk out of here and say, Scott said it was God's first words. That's not what I said. It's his first recorded words words, and they're just a little bit more than your child's first words. I mean, it's sweet when you're, you know, your little Johnny, your little Susie said, dad, dad. That's sweet, right? God's first words are more than just sweet. They are incredibly powerful. In fact, God's first recorded words are God's first recorded miracle, and it's amazing. Here's his words, Genesis 1, verse 3, let there be light. And with those four words, literally everything was changed. You've got God's first recorded words and his first recorded miracle all rolled into one. So it's got to be downhill from here. It's like, you know, God started at the top. Where do you go from, from there? And I say that they're his first recorded miracle because I read, and I got this straight off the internet, so you know it's true. I read that light is the source of vision. 
Why y'all looking at me like that? I mean, I'm not real smart, but I know without light we can't see. Hello? Are you with me? Right? So light is, is a source of vision. Light is the key to technology. It's how we can talk to somebody halfway around the world without a, without a second delay. It's because light can circle the globe seven and a half times a second. It's amazing. In fact, I have a friend of mine who, uh, who was in Europe last week. In fact, he was in Rome. And, and so I texted him. And it, and it was amazing to me, absolutely amazing to me that I could text him. And just, just a second or two later, he would respond. And I thought, wow, the miracle of light, the power of light. Light, for those of us that love food, is the first link in the food chain, right? No photosynthesis, and then there's no equals no food. All the fat people said. <clears throat> light is the basis of health. Without light, uh, it, it causes everything from a lack of vitamin D. And it leads to depression. There, there are literally people who have lived in parts of the country that don't get as much light as others that literally have been told by their doctors, you, you need to move. You need to move to another part of the country so that you can get as much light as possible so that it will help you through your struggles with depression. Light is the origin of energy. Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared. E is energy defined as mass times the speed of light, C squared. Are you with me? Light is a really, really, really big deal. So when you look around at the universe... It's kind of God's way of saying, look at what I can do with four words. <laughs> what can you do with four words? It's amazing. And the voice that spoke the universe into existence is the very same voice that parted the Red Sea and spoke, and the sun stood still. Those of you that are brand new to church, you might want to go home and check that out. Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. It's the very same voice that healed a withered hand and withered a barren fig tree. It's the very same voice that can turn water into wine and resurrect a man four days dead. He can speak through a burning bush, Balaam's donkey, or Bethlehem's star. It's the very same voice that can ride on palace walls and shut the mouths of lions. It's the very same voice that can quench the fires of a fiery furnace or stop a storm on the Sea of Galilee. With just a word, with just a word, there's power. There's power in the voice of God, but there's more to it than that. That's only half the story. God uses his voice to speak, but he also uses his voice to heal and reveal, convict and create, and to guide and direct. There's power in his voice. But there's healing in his voice. There's calmness in his voice. There's peace in the, voice of, in the voice of God. But regardless of how God speaks, his voice is always, without exception, his voice is always loving. And it's because God is love. But that's not how I was raised to hear the voice of God. And I don't know that it was necessarily taught in the church on a Sunday morning by a pastor. I don't know it was taught in Sunday school. I, I don't know if the, it was necessarily the adults in my life, but what I grew up hearing was the condemning voice of God. 
That's what I grew up hearing. In fact, that's the only kind of voice I ever heard. And it was always a loud voice. It wasn't a whisper. It wasn't quiet. It was always a super loud, condemning voice. The only time I remember hearing God speak to me growing up, quite honestly, was, was when he was reprimanding me for something, and he was always reprimanding me for something. So what do you do when the only voice that you ever hear is negative? What do you, what do, you do, parents? What do you do when the only voice that your children learn to hear is the voice of condemnation? The voice of the strong, negative voice of correction. You don't want to hear the voice. And so for me, as, as a kid, I thought that's the only time God's going to speak to me is when he's condemning me. So I just, I just soon not hear the voice of God at all. In fact, I would want to go the other way. I wanted to get as far away from God as I possibly could. I was afraid of what God would say. Still looking at this, I, I wrote this weeks ago, in the last 15 years, and I keep thinking, hmm, I probably should change that. But it's the truth. It's really been in the last 15 years in particular that that's radically changed for me. And I've been in the ministry for somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 years, and so when I think about that process, I think, oh my gosh, how much time, even in the ministry, did I spend only hearing the condemning voice of God? I was on a beach in 2006 that for the first time in my life that I can remember hearing the voice of God, the whisper of God. And he whispered in my ear and he told me that he loved me. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. And, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you do wonder, God, is this a voice inside my head? Am I saying this to myself? How can I know that it's you? And I knew it was God because I would have never said that. I would have never had those words in God's mouth. All I was used to was always coming up short. I, I understood the power of the cross for you. I couldn't understand it and process it for me, not for me personally. And so I struggled. And not only, not only did I hear the voice of God, the whisper of God, and that he told me that he loved me, and this is really, really hard to admit to you on a Sunday, because it sounds somewhat arrogant, but I remember the first time God spoke to me whispered in my ear, and he said, I am so proud of you. And again, I knew it had to be God. I wouldn't put those words in God's mouth. I would have longed to have heard that from God, but I didn't make that up. God spoke to me, and he told me that he was proud of me. And as I processed that, I said, he can because of, of what happened on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross the power of salvation, the power of redemption. So I started to process my theology and what I say I believe and what I actually believe. And that doesn't mean that I haven't heard the convicting voice of God. Of course I've heard the convicting voice of God. But the conviction comes from a, from a voice of love, not of condemnation. It's different. It's, it's different. It's the loving voice of a father who wants what's best for his child. That's that voice. It's a, it's a voice of conviction. It's a voice that says, i got to point out to you that you're moving in the wrong direction. If you continue that, it's going to lead to a bad place. This is going to hurt you. 
for the first time in my life, I've begun to listen to the voice of God, and I can trust His voice because He loves me, and He only speaks to me, even in the convicting voice, to protect me, keep me safe. I can trust His voice. So, God's voice is an awesome voice that I can trust because he loves me. But let's be honest, it, it's hard to hear God's whisper. It's hard to hear a whisper in the crowdedness of life. And my life is terribly crowded, and I'm sure that yours is as well. And so sometimes it's, it's just hard to hear a whisper in a crowded room. And most of our lives are incredibly way too crowded, are they not? And so the question that we're wrestling with, that's it. How do, how do I know it's God? How do I hear the voice of God? Last week, in case you missed it, we went to a really simple verse. It was just to be still and know that I'm God. And one of the ways that you're going to hear a whisper is to get quiet before God, to be still before God. <clears throat> to carve out some time in your busy day when you say nothing else is more important to me. I want to hear you tell me that you love me. I need to know that you're proud of me, that I'm doing something right. Today, I want to look at like the second thing that you need to do. You need to get quiet before God, and then I want to look at how God speaks through his word, how God speaks, literally whispers through the Bible. And so if that's his word. If you're brand new to church, and that sounds a little bit confusing, and it's, it's interesting for even those of us who've been raised in church, been raised in the church our whole life, the Bible is the Word of God, right? But we don't consider it to be literally God's Word to us. Let me give you a little bit of background on the Bible because I think this is awesome. The Bible was composed by more than 40 writers over 15 centuries on three continents. Hello. Y'all with me? The authors range from farmers and fishermen, kings and poets, prophets and prisoners of war. It covers nearly every subject matter under the sun. There's law and history, poetry and prophecy, cosmology, not cosmetology, cosmology. <laughs> I just knew somebody would say, Cosmo cosmetology, you know, I, I knew the study of hair. No, I'm just kidding. Cosmology, which is the origin of everything that is, the creation of, the evolution of, the power of the spoken word of God. And it covers theology. It's a study, literally, it covers the whole study of God and who God is. And yet with all this diversity, because that's a lot of diversity, 40, 40 writers over 15 centuries on three continents, and yet with all of the diversity, it's wholly consistent, and it's wholly without error. It doesn't contradict itself. And somebody out there, because I know the people that we read, you want to raise your hand and go, that's not true. There, there are contradictions within the Bible. Let me tell you what I've learned over the years, and it's been fascinating to me. Men that are a lot smarter than me who, who made it their, their point in life that I'm going to do everything I can to contradict. I'm going to show the contradictions in Scripture, and make God out to be a liar. Two of those men, after one spent nine years, Josh McDowell spent nine years literally trying to disprove Scripture, 
and to expose errors after nine years said, shoot, this thing must be true, and he gave his life to Jesus. Lee Strobel, uh, a Chicago reporter who made it his job to investigate, investigated year after year after year after year until he finally stood back in amazement and said, everything that I thought was error is actually true. And he gave his life to Jesus. It's an amazing book. It's a book that you can trust. Now, here's been my experience that way too many Christians believe that the goal in reading the Bible is simply just to get through it. You know, maybe you were raised in church like I was. And when I was a kid, when you went to church, when you went to Sunday school on Sunday morning, you, you had a little, it was an envelope, which they wanted you to put money in. And, and on that envelope, there were all these boxes. Daily Bible reading was one of the boxes that you checked. And so I grew up somehow thinking that, you know what, you just win brownie points with God if you just read the Bible. Now, you don't have to understand it. It's not that you understand it at all. It's just simply that you read it. And you read it, you check a box, you look at God and go, see, that ought to be worth something. I don't have a clue to what it says, but gee, that must be worth something. There's another group of people that read the Bible to inquire more knowledge, which doesn't sound bad, right? And it's not bad as long as the knowledge leads you to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. But that's not what I found. Pastoring churches, what I found was some of the most obnoxious people in the church were people who studied the Bible in great detail and could give big, fat, you know, juicy theological terms. And really what happened was the Bible just became academic. It was just to study the Bible, to know more, to impress your friends with everything that you know. According to 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, knowledge puffs up. And that's exactly what my experience has been. As people who try to impress you with how much biblical knowledge they have are more puffed up. More puffed up with pride while love builds up. I've seen so many Christians who are filled more with knowledge than love, which really is a contradiction when Jesus said, you will know my kids not by how much they know. You'll know my kids by the love that they have for each other. It's the love. It's what the knowledge produces. I've known people who've become puffed up with pride because of what they know instead of being filled up with love because of who they know. That's good right there. Write that down. I don't come up with a lot of good stuff. When I do, I just want you to know. So here's the goal. The goal is not getting through the Bible. It's not just the acquisition of knowledge. The, the, the goal of being in the Word is allowing the Bible to get in us. Listen, it's, it's opening up the Bible, and it's, it's sitting before God and saying, God, what I need is desperately for you to speak to me, for you to whisper to me. And I'm here. And if it's a convicting voice, it's going to come from a loving voice. It's going to come from a loving Heavenly Father who just wants what's best for me. So I can trust the voice. <clears throat> Maybe it's that voice and you just literally want to look at me today and say, I love you. I'm crazy about you. But God, whatever you want to say, I'm ready because it's all about the relationship. Hebrews 4 says the Word of God is alive and active. Any, anybody in the house, you, you've been a follower of Jesus long enough to say, man, it is, dude, it is. 
I mean, so those of you that don't know a whole lot about the Bible, you've never really uh, spent a lot of time in it, then maybe you don't know that, but when you begin to understand it, when you begin to study it, really, I mean, really study it, not just read it, but to figure out who wrote it and why it was written and all those cool things that you can find out through study is that it becomes, it becomes alive and active. And literally the words almost come off the page and they speak to you as an individual. Then it says, sharper than a double-edged sword. Oops. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Wow, the whole double-edged thing. Sounds a little bit intimidating, but in a really good way, right? Hello, are you out there? In a really, really good way. One writer, in case you're kind of confused, one writer said it like this. You can't make this stuff up. And this is a really smart guy. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but anyway, he's really, really smart. He said, the Word of God is a source of terror. I went, huh? Boy, that's going to encourage people to read. (laughs) How many verses did you read that? I'm staying away from that. It's a source of terror. Because that sword that penetrates in and cuts your innermost being and lays bare the thoughts and the intents. If it discovers them to be a sham, then it becomes the sword of execution. Why would you tell people that, you know? Is it convicting at times? Absolutely. Does it cut into your heart? Absolutely. Can that be good? It is when you know that you have a heavenly Father that you can trust. I love, I love this passage. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I love this passage. It's awesome. It says all Scripture. You know what all Scripture means in the Greek? Yeah, it's not complicated, is it? All Scripture. Watch this. All Scripture is God-breathed. I I love the standard, English standard version of this very saying. It says it like this. All Scripture is breathed out by God. The Bible, these words that you read are not just words on a page. They are literally the whisper of God. All Scripture has been breathed out by God Himself. For us. So if you want to hear the whisper of God, if you want to hear him speak, then you gotta be a you, you gotta be willing to read the book. You gotta get in it, study it. Know the who, what, when, where, and why. If you if you love, like me, if you if you love detective stuff, man, you love reading the Bible and digging into it. And the same Holy Spirit who inspired ancient writers as they wrote is the very same. Holy Spirit that inspires, who inspires modern day readers as we read. It's awesome. So, think of it like this. When you read the Bible, you are reading the words that the Holy Spirit literally breathed out thousands of years ago. Is that awesome? We're hearing the whisper of God. There's no better way to discern God's voice, to hear Him whisper than to read the words, His words to us on the pages of Scripture. So what exactly is He saying? That's the big one, right? So what is He saying? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. And this term teaching is it's, it's not describing the process. It's literally talking about content. And so it describes a body of truth that is taught. And so one of the roles 
of the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to deposit a truth within us as we read God's Word. And that truth is, is there. It's, it's there to guide us. It's there to, to uh, direct us. It's, it's there to convict us. Absolutely. Not just in our thinking. It's also to guide us in how we act. The, the power of the Holy Spirit of God living within a, a believer is that we are changed by what we read. We're influenced by what we read. We're guided by what God speaks into us as we read his word. Back in Hosea 4, God said, uh, my people are destroyed, he said, for a lack of knowledge. He didn't say that they're destroyed because they're a bunch of idiots. Uh, it, it, not because they lack enthusiasm. It's not because they lack emotion. It's not because they don't have a want to. They, they just don't have the knowledge. I mean, you cannot live out a truth you don't know. So the goal is learning to listen to the whisper of God as he speaks through his word and then to respond. That's our deal. It's to, it's to get up every morning, open up the word, and say, God, speak to me. And then, God, whatever you tell me to do, however I'm supposed to respond, I'll just respond. Easy peasy, right? Actually, sometimes it is. For example, I just, I just went to Exodus 20. I thought I'd take a really difficult passage. And so some of you have not been schooled in Hebrew. I think you'll be okay. Exodus 20, we're going to kind of read through these words. You tell me how you think, what you think they mean, okay? Again, some of you are really, really smart. Some of you are brand new. I think we'll all be on the same page, for example. The Word of God says, thou shalt not murder. Anybody in the house think, what, what do you think that means? <laughs> like, do you think there should be debate? I mean, we should do a Bible study on murder? I mean, what, what, what did exactly did he mean? Maybe what he meant was, thou shalt not murder unless they tick you off, and then you can do whatever you need to do. It's not hard to understand, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's a fun one. Uh, gee, I wonder what that one means. Don't fool around. That's what that means. Don't have sex outside of your marriage. Could you imagine what the world would be like if we had kept God, if we had just read the Bible and God said, no sex before marriage. I mean, none. No, no sex before marriage. Wait until you get married, and then you have one partner for a lifetime. What would happen to sexually transmitted diseases? If we had just said, you know, God's got a pretty good thing going here. I mean, he's not stupid. He's God. And so God said, gee, I want, what would happen if we actually just followed through with what he said? It's not hard. You don't have to know a bunch of Hebrew or Greek. You don't have to do a 10-year Bible study on adultery. It's pretty easy. <laughs> Thou shalt not steal. Guess what that means? Don't take it if it ain't yours. Keep your hands off of it. It's not hard, right? It's really not. We just don't like it. We want to debate it. We, we want to think, well, if that was good, but the Bible was written. I mean, like the Old Testament stuff, that might have been like, you know, several thousand years ago. New Testament, somewhere around 2,000. Times have changed. Truth, truth has not changed. 
Now, there's other times when it can appear to be more difficult, right, to hear the whisper of God through His Word. Those times when you're looking for direction can be tough. But I actually believe, in fact, this church is founded on it. I actually believe that God can very clearly speak through His Word to give you direction. In 1994, uh, I needed direction. I needed to hear God speak. I, I wanted a word from God. I needed something that was God-breathed. Honestly, I wanted something a little louder than a whisper. Uh, you, you, know why, you know what the problem with a whisper is? It's a whisper. That's the biggest problem. And if you're, if you're old and hard of hearing, you know what? It can, that can be difficult to hear a whisper. Or if you're young and insecure in your relationship with Jesus, it can be really, really hard to hear a whisper. Anyway, anyway I needed to hear a word from God because here was the thing. Here was the thing. I, I was trying to say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And you've got to understand, Karen and I, I mean, that, that sweet woman, she said, I do. She had no earthly idea what she was saying, I do too. You know? I mean, she, she really, I remember, you know, I was in school, and she knew that I was in school, but then I finished, and, and then I remember standing one day, and I remember looking at her, this was about a year and a half after I graduated college, and I said, baby, God's calling us to go to seminary. And I said, so we, we got to sell a house that we just bought. We just bought this house. We didn't have it a year. And I said, it's time to go. And she said, okay. Cried like a baby, but she said, okay. And so now I'm believing, you don't understand, we went through, we went through the most lean times financially that you could possibly imagine. Times when I'm not kidding you, I would open up the cabinet shelf and there would be one can of green beans. I don't like green beans. That was it. That's all we had. And now I'm looking at her saying, the last four years have been good, you know. I got out of seminary and took this church, and we're not rich, but boy, compared to where we've been. And I think God wants me to start a church. We didn't know it was called church planting back in the days. Church planting. We just knew it was starting a church. That's where the rednecks say it. I think God wants me to start a church, but I needed, I needed to hear from God. And I was pretty sure there wasn't a verse in the Bible that says, Scott, <laughs> go to Greer and start a church. I was pretty sure that wasn't in there. So I thought, how am I going to know? I, I was struggling to hear his voice. So one Sunday morning, I was, I was preaching from a passage, and I do the same. I've been doing the same thing just about since day one. I get up super early on a Sunday morning. You know, this morning, I, you know, it's up 4.30 or so, and so I'm up. And here's my thing. I just want to take the text. I want to sit down with the message, and I just want to go over it again. And I spend a lot of time. I just want to pray over it and say, God, these people, what they're looking for today is not a sermon. They want a message. They want to hear from you. So God, you know, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. And so I was out of Matthew chapter 9, and I was at the end of the chapter. And I thought, you know what, this is, Matthew 9 is kind of like a day in the life of Jesus. And so I thought, I'm just going to go back to the very beginning of the chapter and just kind of read my way through. Once again, I just want to be familiar, you know, with the whole text. And so then I came to this particular verse, which said this, Neither do people put new wine into old wineskins. you got to understand something. I, I missed a chunk of years going to church, okay? There was, there was just a chunk of years I wasn't very... Uh, I, wasn't, I didn't go very much, okay? Let's put it that way. Most of all my teenage years. I didn't go a whole lot. And, and so here's all I knew when I started pastoring churches. I thought, I thought, here's all, I thought, you just, God, what do you want us to do? And then you stand before your people and you say, charge. And everybody goes, yay, you know. And I didn't, I didn't know that I would stand in front of a group of people and say, God wants us to do this. And they would say, well, we've never done that before. <laughs> Which was okay with me because I said, me neither. 
It's going to be so much fun. They didn't think fun. That fun was not their word. Neither do put, people put new wine in the old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they put new wine and new wine skins and both are preserved. And, and the Holy Spirit was just really crystal clear. And he whispered in my ear and he said, that's what you've been doing. You, you don't know any better. You, you know, all you know to do as a young pastor is to talk to me. And if I say, because there's clear truth about reaching people, you know, it's all I knew. All I knew was that you do everything you can to love the lost, and you do everything you can to reach the lost. I didn't know church people didn't like that. And I'm so stupid. I, mean, I went into meetings and said, ah, you didn't know. You're dying from a lack of knowledge. Let me, let me tell you what the Bible says. I remember, one, I remember one group of deacons who literally, no kidding, pastor, that's real nice, but we ain't never done it, and we ain't going to do it now. What? I was trying to pour a new methodology into an old church. I wasn't trying to split a church. I wasn't. I didn't know any better. New wine needs to breathe, so you put new wine into a new wine skin. So God spoke, and he said, go take this new wine, this new methodology, and put it into a new wine skin. I don't believe in pulling God's promises out of a hat like a rabbit and claiming, claiming those out of context. I don't. And so I studied the passage, and after I studied the passage and said, God, what are you saying? It was pretty clear. He said, I don't want you trying to put this new wine, this new methodology into this old wineskin. Those aren't bad people. They're good people. But they've lost their elasticity. It's okay. Just put it in a new wineskin. And I thought, God, that's real cool. That's sweet. And, and, and I, you probably never have this. This is probably, you know, you guys aren't like me at all. And I said, God, that's real cool. Could you do it again? <laughs> like you spoke one time, but I'm fixing to jump out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm on the ledge. I'm fixing, I'm, I'm fixing to jump. I want to know when I jump that I, it is right. And so I began to pray. And so one, one Friday morning, I don't go through the whole story. I don't have time. But, you know, Emily was, she was in 5K. And so I would take Emily every Friday. I would get up early. I would study. And then she had to be there something like 11 o'clock. And, and then I would meet with a group of guys, and we would pray. And I would get Emily. And when I was well, just stupid. I, I'm just, what can I say? I would take her early to school. We'd play in the car. I'm a weird dad. But we had so much fun. And, and this morning, that particular morning, she said, she, she had the Bible. I don't know where she got it. Who in the world let that child have a Bible? Anyway, so she had a Bible, and she would, she would say, Dad, can you just read from right here, right here? Just read me something out of the Bible. I said, no, <laughs> being the spiritual giant that I am. I, I've been in the Bible all morning. And then I looked down, and she would say, from right here to right here, and I looked, and it was Genesis. And I went, oh, great, we couldn't have, like, John. You know, we had to be in Genesis. And I thought, where's your mama when I need her? You know, they're going to be words that long. I'm not going to be able to pronounce them. And she's going to say, Dad, why? And I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this to a five-year-old. But just so you know, God spoke through that passage and the name Spring Well actually comes out of Genesis 26. Isaac went to dig a well. And the people argued with him and said, it's not your well. It's our well. And God said, go dig a new well. Spring well, new, fresh well. Do I believe that God speaks through his word to lead us and to guide us and direct us?
Folks, the fact that you're here today is a result of God speaking through His Word. Now, some of you are going to think, you're going to think, well, you're a pastor. How well do you know me? I know different than you. I put my pants on just like you do every day. I've struggled through life just like you do every day. I have to... I have to stay before God. I have to say, God, speak to me. I can't do this on my own. I'm no different than you. And what I know is that he's crazy about you, that he loves you, and that his desire is to speak to you and whisper in your ear and tell you that he loves you. He wants to tell you that he's proud of you. And he can do that because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is solid theology. He sees you through the eyes of the blood of his son. Are you listening? So when was the last time you just hung out with him? That you carved out some time and you got in a quiet place and said, God, just speak. And I can trust you. Whatever you want to say, God, whatever you want to say. And if you want to convict me, that's okay. If you want to give me some of those thou shalt not, I'm okay with that, God, because I can trust you because you love me. And as a loving father, you want to protect me, and you want to lead me, and you want to guide me, and you want to keep me out of trouble. And so, God, whatever you want to say today, and some days it's the most amazing thing. He'll, he'll do you like he did me. He stopped me dead in my tracks on the beach, and he said, I love you. And he said, I'm so proud of you. Are you hanging out with him? Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Let me just share with you just this last verse in closing. It's a very difficult verse. Very few people can understand it. It's John 3.16. For God so loved this world. And just so you know, in case you think that you're one of those really bad sinners and God couldn't possibly mean that for you, that word world in the Greek is a world that means the triple X-rated world. In other words, it's the dirtiest of the dirty, the most, sin, the most sinful of the sinners. Are you with me? And so God is looking at you this morning and he's saying this, I so loved you. I so desired a relationship with you that I'll tell you what I did. I sent my son. I sent my son to fix a problem you can't fix. You couldn't be good enough. So I took care of it. And on the third day he was raised from the dead and Jesus is alive. And maybe what just happened, maybe what just happened for you, you're not a follower of Jesus, but maybe for the first time in your life, what you just heard was God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, He just whispered in your ear and He told you that He loved you. It's awesome, isn't it? So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you heard that voice, and you just are ready to respond, why wouldn't you follow Him? Why would you not follow Him? How come you wouldn't give him your life? So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you'd like to be, and maybe you'd say something like this. You would say, wow, God. You love me. just whispered in my ear you just told me that you love me and he proved it he, he, it's not just words on a page 
History records the death, the crucifixion of Jesus. It proves it. And he's alive, and you know he's alive. And right now, you don't have it all figured out. But you can feel the presence of God. You can feel him, right? So just tell him, God, I just I believe. And I, to the best of my ability, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, and I'm just surrendering my life to you. I want to spend the rest of my life following you. I want to spend the rest of my life hearing your whisper. Lord, you are amazing. So incredible, Lord. So incredibly amazing. God, you've been so good to me. Karen and I talk about it all the time, every single day of our lives. God, I, I don't know if there's many days that go by that we don't just reflect on your goodness. Lord, that we look back at all the most difficult times. God, times in my life when, I, honestly, God, I, I was mad at you. I thought you'd left me, you'd abandoned me. Times when I blamed you for things. Times, Lord, when, truth be told, I doubted your very existence. I thought it was all a joke. A cruel joke. But a joke, nonetheless. And Lord, with the passing of time, God, you were so good. You were so patient. You were so consistent. You just loved me. And Lord, you've brought me to a place where God is just the most free in place God, I thank you. I thank you for the ability to hear your voice, to get quiet before you, to hear you whisper those words of, I love you, those words of, I'm proud of you. Wow. Thank you for a relationship, God, that it's not about religion. It's about having a relationship with the God, the creator of the universe. Lord, as we continue to go through this series, Lord, teach us how to hear your voice. We love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.